God. It is about you and only you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Come on in. If you're a row and you want coffee, feel free to get some coffee. No big deal. We're really laid back here. You got some. John, you want some coffee? I'm only halfway through mine. Yeah, am I in your way? <laughs> Don't let me be in your way, Doug. Um, if you guys didn't know, that, that song right there is Psalm 42. I had to double check with Kara. Uh, but King David wrote this. He said, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And it goes on. That's Psalm 42 if you want to read that this week. But uh, that's what we're after, isn't it? That our, our, our soul, our hearts thirst for God. You know, is that the way we feel? Do we really thirst for God? Do we hunger for God? Do we want that relationship? Um, if you're like me and you've, you've lived with Christ very long, you've had times of hungering for Him, and you've had times where you just don't, and you wish you did. <laughs> um, and sometimes it takes that seeking to even get that hunger back. Um, but Psalm 42, beautiful. Uh, Seth, thank you for requesting that. Um, did you keep it together? Yeah, I did. Good job. <laughs> you the man. Um, reiterate, some of you weren't here. In two weeks, our tentative plan is to go and do a work project um, for Awaken. There's a... Um, what is it? Protective housing, I think is what you would call it. And it's a secret, so if you go, we can't tell anybody where it is. I mean, it's a protective housing for women being brought out of, of sex trafficking and, and that. So there's actually a lot of work they need done. Kara talked to them, uh, and they were really all excited that, yeah, we have, I think, 30 doors to pull off and take outside and paint and sand. And so they were excited that we're willing to help. And so our plan, our tentative plan is two weeks from today. Um, to do it, probably spend three or four hours on Sunday morning. Instead of doing this, we'll go there and do that. Uh, kids, though, will come here. Uh, how old did we say? Five and under. Kids five and under can come here and have a good time while we're out there working. Um, we want to make that really part of our DNA, who we are. We are servants for God in Jesus' name, not in Common Ground's name, <laughs> in, in Jesus' name. So, tentative two weeks, which means check... Um, Facebook or check online, please. Um, we expected some wind today. Last week was bad. Dan came this week and really battened down the hatches on this side. Thank you, Dan. Uh, he tied some ropes. Uh, an hour or so ago, hour and a half ago, it was nice and calm, so we thought we're going to give it a shot. Um, although the wind might pick up, we're going to see how it holds together. So in the back, if you can't hear me, just raise your hand or just do this and I'll grab the microphone. Okay? So if you can't hear me, I want you to be able to hear me. It's important. Um, let me pray and we'll get into this. Father, uh, I thank you that you are like a flowing stream of water. Um, on a hot day, you are a cold glass of water. On a cold day, you're a warm sweater. You're our comfort. You're our security. You're the one we can run to. You're the one that provides all that we need. You're the one that created this earth for us to enjoy. Um, you created us to be in relationship with you, and I thank you. We love you. Be honored, be glorified as we look at this today. In your name, amen. We're going to be in Romans. We're going to skip around, but our, our base passage is Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, specifically verse 2. 
But what we're doing, this is our second week in a three-week series, is Life Change Possible. I think we have a, a cool, ooh, nice. Oh, you even changed the graphic. Check you out. Um, everything's coming together today. Graphics are working. This is wonderful. But this is precipitated on, on one of the things. Who do we want to be? You know, Common Ground, we're a church plant. We're just starting out. We're not, we haven't even launched yet. We're still pre-launch. And so when people start coming in, what do we want to be about? We want to be about life change. We want to bring healing to marriages. We want to bring healing to parent-child relationships. We want to be healing, bring healing in our own lives, uh, whether it be addictions, whether it be you know selfishness or worry. We want to bring healing, transformation, and that's God's plan. Last week we looked at this. The plan for God that, that we looked at last week, God's plan for us is maturity. And what we saw is that maturity isn't something that you come to Christ and boom, I'm perfect. <laughs> you know, it's not like you get down and you pray the prayer and then you wake up and there's an angel with the halo. Here you go, just put this on and you're good. It's a, it's a process. Immediately we're right with God. Immediately we know when we die or when Jesus comes back, we'll be glorified. We'll get a new body, we'll be with Him. But in this in-between stage, it's called uh, progressive sanctification. It's a process to where we become more and more like Jesus, where He takes away our sin, He takes away our worry. Um, and so if, if you're in here and you're like, well, I'm not there yet, we talked about this last week, that's okay. <laughs> we're going to see that some, but we want to get there, which means we're not okay with our own sin, but we recognize this is where we're at and this is where we want to go, and we're very, very patient with other people's sins. We accept people right where they're at, but we love them too much to leave them there. So that's where we are. And so this week and next week, we're going to really start getting into the how. How is life change possible? But before we get too crazy into the how, you know, I want to share just one thing that kept coming to mind for me. Um, you know, when I, was, when I was a kid, I played football, kind of. Uh, I was on the team. And I, my freshman year, I was about 100 pounds, and so I was just the tackling dummy. I was the guy that they put behind the pad, and I just got smashed. And so one after another, all the varsity guys would just smash me, and I'd get back up. And you know, then there would come a time where they'd actually let me play some. But because I never played, I didn't really memorize the plays <laughs> like I should have. And so you know, tight end was was what I'd like to play some. And so I'd be at tight end, and I'd get in the huddle, and they'd go, "Okay, we're going to do this play." And I should have gone, "What's my route?" But I didn't. You know, I'm, not, I'm just going to fake it. And so I'm like, uh, should I block this guy? You know, and I would pretend. And, you know, if it was a run play and I was supposed to block the guy and they just, uh, we just, that was an issue. Or if it was a pass play and uh, the field is open there, but the other corners or, you know, the outside receiver is running there. We're two people in the same area. So I was kind of faking it, which was not good for the team. What I should have done was go timeout. I shouldn't be in the game. You know, coach, I need to work on this and, and done the work. Faking it was not good. The same thing is true for us in our Christian life. If we fake it, we are stunting our own growth. If we come in here and we pretend like we're further along than we are, and we do this even with ourselves, don't we? We pretend we're further along. We pretend that our sin isn't that big a deal. We pretend like we know all these things. Um, but that doesn't help. And it doesn't help us either. We want to be there for each other. And so if I get together with, with Alex, you know, we got together earlier this week, and we sit down and he's like, yeah, everything's good, everything's fine, when really he's got all this stuff going on, I can't help him. And so, you know, we, we miss out on that aspect of the body where we get to help each other. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that out. Let's not fake it. And that goes along with what Alex was saying. We're genuine, we're real, okay? You're accepted where you are. There's nothing you could say that would make us go, oh my goodness, get out. <laughs> you know, we're going to be accepting. So look with me, though, at Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. If you don't have these memorized, memorize these. Paul writes this. 
He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's a sermon in itself. Huge verse. But verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there's, there's a step process in this, if you see that. The first step in verse 1 is present yourself to God. Be a living sacrifice. You know, a sacrifice is something you would take it, you know, and you would, they would kill it. This is how the Jews made atonement for their sins. They would kill a sacrifice on the altar, then they would burn it up. We are a living sacrifice, which means we get on the altar and we die. We die to ourselves, but yet we continue to live. There's a Galatians 2.20, great verse. I'm, I, I'm crucified with Christ, dead. Nevertheless, I live. I'm dead, but yet I keep living in this body. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. That's what he's talking about in Romans 12.1. We give our life. My wants, gone. My desires, gone. And let me tell you, marriage is so much better when my wants are gone. Because I come into the house not going, Callie, what can you do for me? I come into the house going, Callie, what can I do for you? Clean the bathrooms? Eh. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. You know, that's what life is about. So, that's our first step in this. We're talking about transformation. We, we want to become mature. We're all somewhere in the process, but we want to get there. The first is presenting ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to Him. And then in verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world. This I love. I love how Paul wrote this. He said, Do not be conformed. We know what conformed is, don't we? You know, we were all in high school at some point. <laughs> and you walk in on the first day and you're like, Oh, so it's cool. L.A. Gear is the shoe to wear this year. You go home, Mom, I need L.A. Gears. That was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> or, or what it was, it was the pumps. You guys remember the pumps? Shh, shh, shh. Yeah, it was, Mom, I really need pump shoes. I'm the only kid that doesn't have pump shoes. You know, we want to we conform. We want to blend in. You know, and this world has a way of doing things. And Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, do not be conformed to this world. Now, that word conformed, as I looked it up, uh, Wiest, W-U-E-S-T, is some of the best word studies I've found. Uh, Wiest, he talks about this word conformed. What it actually meant, the Greek word means, do not be something that you're not. Do not act like something on the outside that you aren't on the, on the inside. And so what he's saying is, if, if you know 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Do you know that? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's you. You're new. You're justified. You're right with God. Old things have passed away. New things have come. This is who you are. Our very first week, what did we talk about? If you weren't here, hop on the podcast and listen to it. Common Ground Carson. But we said we're sons and daughters of the King. We've been saved from this world. We've been bought. We've been adopted. And we've been brought into His house. That's who you are. A son or daughter of the King. And so, being conformed to this world means you're a son or a daughter of the king, but then you're going out and you're acting like everybody else. And he says, it doesn't line up. So don't be conformed. Instead, act like who you are, which is a son or a daughter of the king. Fully loved. Fully loved and accepted. So act like who you are. But then he goes on, he says, and be transformed. So although we're right with God, we still need to be transformed. Uh, that word transformed is metamorphosis, metamorphi. It, it's what happens to a caterpillar. It goes into a cocoon and it becomes something different. We are to be transformed, made something different. Um, 
This is in your notes. And I want us to get this before we go too much on. I was talking to Kara this week, you know, because we're starting to talk about how. And we're going to get into the how. But before we really talk about, okay, how do we do life change? How do we change? What Kara was saying, the best way, you know, you got something in your life you want to deal with, it's not the how. Rearrange those words. It's about the who. It's not how, it's who. And we talked about this last week. Jesus is the power for life change. Jesus is the power for life change in your life. So it's all about Him. It's all about who. It's not about how. So if you came this week going, I can't wait. Derek's going to tell us how to be changed. Well, let me shatter it a little bit. We are going to look at some strategies, but it really comes down to who. Because if, if, we're, if we're focused on just the how without the who, it's legalism. It's religion. You know, how. Then I just go through these steps. Show me the four steps. I'll do that. No problem. But when it becomes who, it's a relationship. And that's where transformation really takes place. Um, John 15, 5. I think that's going to pop up here. Yeah. One of my favorite verses. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So our first how is abide. Um, who drew this? That's awesome. Nobody's going to tell me. Um, so, quick quick picture, okay? Here, we have a tree. It's an apple tree. Okay, those are apples. Um, and here's the branch, okay? This is you and me. This is you and me. And what's the job of a branch, really? To produce apples, to produce fruit. We want to produce fruit, meaning we want to be mature. We want to be transformed. So, so we're producing good things in our life. We're experiencing peace, joy, love, all those things. But does a branch produce fruit on its own? All the nutrients comes from this trunk. And this trunk is getting all this nutrients down from the roots and you water it good, you know, and then all the energy is coming up through this trunk and out to the branch. You cut that branch off, I mean, just look out here. We've got a stack of branches that are on the ground. They're not attached to the tree and they're dead. There's no fruit. And so, really, the branch's job is to do this. <laughs> to cling to the trunk. So, our first how, it's not about how, it's who. And we cling to the who. We cling to Jesus. Okay? Get that, just picture that in your head. We cling to Jesus. Uh, this is in your notes. The power for change is Jesus in you. Our role is to abide in Jesus. Abide means to live in or to remain, to stay there. Beautiful. So back to Romans 12 too, please. We're not conformed. We're transformed. And this is in your notes. It says we are changed or transformed when our thinking and actions line up with the new person God made us to be. Um, the word transformed or metamorphosed there, uh, one of the things that I was looking at, it actually means changed by being with. Changed by being with. So, uh, one example. Uh, we talk about baptism. We haven't talked about it much, but baptism is the first thing you're commanded to do. When you become a Christian, you're supposed to be baptized. Baptized means immersed, you know, or, or dipped into something. And in the original, you know, in the first century, it was baptizo, and it meant something was one thing, and it became something else. Um, and a really good example, they found a recipe from the first century, and the recipe was how to make a pickle. And you take a cucumber, and you baptize it, and it comes out of pickle. It becomes something different, but it's changed by being with the dill, the, the vinegar, whatever else is in there. 
The same is, is true with us. We're conformed, we're changed by being with Jesus. Do you, do you get that? It's not about how, it's about who. And, and it's Jesus and we cling to Him. Um, Jello is the illustration that, that I think of with... And I, I think Paul was thinking about Jello here. <laughs> I do! <laughs> because, you know, Jello. Have you ever made Jello and it, it didn't harden? I have, and I don't know what I messed up. Um, but but so you have Jello. You put the Jello in, and it, and it comes out. And you're like it's all, it's what Kool Aid, but it doesn't. And you, you tried it, like doesn't even taste as good as Kool Aid. You know, Jello is supposed to be the jiggly thing, and when you when you take the Jello and you put it in your mouth and you and you turn it back liquid, that's fun. That's okay. But Jello, when you do all this stuff and you pull it out and it's and it's just liquid, it's disappointing because that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be really fun and jiggly and yummy and you can play with it. That's what it's supposed to be. Just like a Christian that doesn't look like Jesus, it's like jello that's still liquid. <laughs> We're supposed to be changed to look like Jesus. And when a Christian is not changed to look like Jesus, it's as distasteful as jello <laughs> that, that isn't hardened. So that's what God made us for, to be changed, to be transformed. Do you hear me, Solomon, or were you looking at the cat? <laughs> I'm just kidding you. Lydia's looking at the cat too. What did I just say about Jello? <laughs> I'm just checking. <laughs> that it tastes good. And we Christians are supposed to taste good because we're supposed to look like Jesus. I want to throw one thing in that I threw in last week because we talk about maturity and where we want to be and we have a tendency to feel guilty. We hear about this, we hear we're supposed to be fruitful, we look at our life and go, I'm not fruitful, and I feel guilty about that. But last week we looked at maturity is like a telescope, it's like a pirate telescope. You take it out, and you take it, and it's a growth process that we move along. And I want to read you some of Paul's words, because we're talking about Paul here. Paul, just a few chapters earlier in Romans 12, or I'm sorry, in Romans 7, 21 to 23, said this. Paul says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right... Paul wanted to do right. Evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. And, and isn't that us? Don't we delight in good, in righteousness, in all the things? We delight in that. We do. In verse 23, he says, But I see in my members, that means his body, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And that's a really helpful chapter, and he talks about that. Paul talks about the struggle. And elsewhere, Paul said, I'm not there yet. Paul wrestled with his flesh and his spirit. He wrestled with it. So, and I said it last week, if you're feeling, well, I'm not there yet, neither was Paul. That's okay. But we don't stay there. That's not an excuse to sin, okay? So for those of you thinking, oh, Derek just gave me an excuse, I can stay in my sin. No, that's not the point. And Paul goes on in Romans to talk about that. And he gets to Romans 12, where we're at. And what he's saying here is don't be conformed. So don't act like that. Although it's a wrestle, struggle, fight on. This is in your notes. The fact is our flesh will not go without a fight. There's going to be a struggle as our new identity, who we are in Christ, fights to defeat our old man day in and day out. That's why every day we present ourselves as a sacrifice. Do you realize you have to do that every day? If you're like me at least. You have to wake up and go, I'm dead, I live for you, I'm sacrificed. But then, there's something about the mind. He's talked about it several times. So, the how is the who, it's Jesus. But now, how do we abide? How do we abide in Jesus at all times? It's the mind. If you didn't know this, it's the mind. And that's what Paul said in Romans 12 too. Be transformed by the renewal of your 
mind. Now, I read, uh, I read an article, a few articles, and I don't remember what the magazine was. It was a Christian magazine, though, and it was talking about neuroscience. You know, and in the last 15 years, they've really taken, gone leaps and bounds with, with looking at how the brain works. I said that, right? Neuroscience, that's the brain? Okay, yes. Um, so, as they studied the brain, you know, they hook things up, and they look at how the brain works. Um, and the brain of, of people with addictions works differently. And all of us, to be honest, all of us have some addictions, I think. Anybody own one of these? You're addicted. <laughs> you know, we have, we have this screen addiction. But our brain learns to work in a certain way. And so as your brain continues to, to function a certain way, it's like it, it works grooves in your brain. So, you know, we like to go off-road in some. After a rainstorm, you know, trucks go and they go through the, a dirt road and they, they build these ruts in the road. And then the sun comes out and it all dries, and you drive on the road, and your tires just naturally want to be in those ruts. And you, you know, you're trying to get out. I don't know if you've ever done that, but you get stuck in those ruts. Well, that's the same in our brain. It, it, it learns to work a certain way, and it's just easy to go that way. And I, I know this. For me, you know, growing up, lust was my thing. I, and, and I would wake up thinking lustful thoughts. I would go to bed thinking lustful thoughts. It was just kind of what, how my brain worked. Uh, it helped me fall asleep when I was young. It, weird. And so I came to Christ. I go, I got to fix this. We got to change this. That was a work of renewing my mind. I cannot think this way anymore. So, but, but I naturally do. I, why, why do I naturally want to think this way? Or if you're a stress person. Your immediate response to a situation is worry and stress. Because you, you've been trained to do that. Your brain has a channel. So how do you redirect that? How do you change that? How do you renew your mind? Because that's what he says to do. Renew your mind. And now we're going to get to the answer. Okay? The answer that we want to focus on this week is the Bible. How do you renew your mind? The Word of God is, how, is, I think, the best way to renew your mind. Um, we'll go back to Romans some, but we're going to look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So if you want to turn there, go for it. It's page 654. Um, I don't think I gave you that one to put up there. Oh, I did. So it's right up there, if you can see that. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate. That's the same word as mature that we looked at last week. That the man of God may be adequate or mature, equipped for every good work. So what does God use in us to change us? He uses the word, and He says all Scripture. That's even the Old Testament. That's even... Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. All Scripture is inspired by God, meaning God breathed. It's as if God breathed, and, and, the, and the words appeared on the page. Now, that's a whole lesson in itself. Uh, how did God use men and women and, and their personalities to put the words down? But we're not getting into that. The point is, this is all inspired by God. We believe every word has value. Even some of these weird things in the Old Testament, um, and for a long time, I didn't really care about reading the Old Testament because I thought it doesn't matter. But if you realize all Scripture is inspired by God and useful, and you start to look in the Old Testament, and you just read a little bit and go, why, did, why is this in here? Why did Moses say, we're looking, why did Moses write this down? Who was the audience? Why did God have him? You'll realize there's a principle in there, something. 
And it's something that we learn about God, or it's something we learn about man and our condition, but there's something profitable in everything. So I wanna I wanna draw this, and if if you've done discipleship with me, you've you've seen this. Um so here's the road of life. Okay, here's the road of life, and here's Solomon walking down the road of life. And Lydia too. Lydia and Solomon. Hey, hi Solomon. Hi Lydia. Okay, so walking down the road of life. So here we go. We're going along. Um, the, the Word of God, Second Timothy three sixteen. It's inspired by God, profitable for teaching. That's the first thing. Okay, so teaching. So we want to know how to live. We want to know how to live, don't we? How do we do this marriage thing? How do we do this parent thing? The Bible teaches. It will show you how to live this life. But inevitably, because you're a human and you're like me, we're going to sin. Boop. Sin happens. So we're going along the path of life. and wah! Here we go. Now, early on especially, before you're real close to Christ, sometimes you'll sin and you didn't know it. There, there is that possibility that you're like, I wasn't aware. To be honest, most of the time we know, don't we? <laughs> we know. But look at this, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It's uh, good for teaching and for reproof. It's for reproof, which means, and I'm going to put that right here. Reproof means it points out your sin. It shows you when you've sinned. Reproof. It says that's not the right way to do it. Um, so, we need to be in the Word so we know how, you know how to live. And it shows us when we're off. Because when we're off, we're not really abiding. We're not where we should be. So it's good for that. What else is it good for in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? Teaching, reproof, correction. Okay? So, not only will the Word tell you where you're off, it'll tell you how to get right. And so, now we turn back up, okay? It has corrected us. If we are obedient to it, it will correct us. Um, several places in Scripture where it talks about sin. You know, confess your sin one to another. You know, he who conceals, in Proverbs, he who conceals a transgression will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes it will find compassion. Those are just some of the things of how to get right. Um, if, if somebody has something against you, they're talking about, say, communion or when you come to church, you know somebody out there has something against you, the Bible says, you go make things right with that person. It doesn't say, if you've got a problem with them, you go make it. If they have a problem with you, right or wrong, correction means you go and you make things right with that person. So, we could spend all day talking about that. But it will correct you, okay? Reproof, correction, and then training in righteousness. Now, we're back on the path, okay? We're going along. Um, and here's Solomon. And he's good, but Lydia's still over here. She's still working on this part, being corrected or whatever. But look at what it says. Training in righteousness. Training, like an athlete. So, over here... We want to stay right, okay? We want to experience... Okay, I'll write the whole thing. I just... Something. <laughs> Training in righteousness. <laughs> we want that. We want to live in peace. We want to love those around us. We want to experience life how God has it. We want to get over our addictions. We do. I want to get over my selfishness. I want to be more compassionate. And it takes training. It takes practice. Training in righteousness. So, this is what the Word of God is for. You see that here. One other verse I want you to look at. Hebrews 4.12. If you don't have this one memorized, I recommend it. It says, The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So you see that the Bible, all of it, Old Testament, New Testament, every piece of it is alive. It's alive. Have you ever read this and just went, somebody's been in my room on the wall watching. Somebody's been following me around. Because if you open yourself up to the Word, you'll find the writers, they knew you. (laughs) Because the Holy Spirit knows you and the Holy Spirit inspired those writers. But it it comes alive. You know, I don't know... If you're like me, you've probably read some self-help books. You know, financial books or whatever. I want to get over this. You know, Battlefield of the Mind is a great book. I recommend it. There's a lot of those self-help books. Um, Oprah is out there, Dr. Phil. You know, and every now and then they'll say something maybe useful, I guess. But, but you'll never experience in any of those books, even Christian books, uh, what you'll experience with the Word of God. The Word of God is alive and it is active. Meaning when you expose yourself to it, it's active. And it will show you. That's what it says there in Hebrews. It, it pierces like a sword into you. It's like a surgical instrument that will cut you open. <laughs> it's a little bit graphic, but it'll, it'll cut you open so you see your insides. And I'm not talking about your guts, not your liver and stuff like that. So don't worry. Lydia, you were a zombie yesterday. Um, we're talking about your inner, th- your mind, your thoughts, your intentions, your ambitions. Some of those things sometimes are veiled to us, aren't they? We don't even know our ambitions or our selfishness or the things pulling us down. But as we expose ourselves in the Word and we read it, it will open us up like we get to see our insides and go, Oh, look at that. I deal with anger, okay? And, oh, I'm bitter at this person. I need to go. I didn't even realize that was bogging me down. I need to go deal with that. This is what the Word will do. It will open you up. And it says at the end of Hebrews 4.12, it discerns the thoughts and intentions of your heart. It will show you where you're at. Remember, we talked about this last week. Um, who did their homework this week, by the way, actually? Raise your hand if you did your homework. What was it again? You have detention. <laughs> no, our homework was to pray the prayer that David prayed. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And see if there be any anxious way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. When we pray that prayer, search me, O God, and try my heart, The next step is to open up the Word because this is how He will show you your heart. This is where He will show you what's going on. This is in your notes, I think. But that that new way of thinking, we're talking about transforming our mind. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. It's not about how, but who. And this is Jesus in you. But this change is informed by the Word of God. And informed, that's not even strong enough. It's not just information. But it is information, but it is informed by the Word of God. That's why on Sundays, we're always going to focus on the Word. When we enter discipleship relationships, it's going to be around the Word. When we start doing outpost groups, which we'll be doing that at some point, you know, um, small groups together, it's going to be around the Word of God. Because the Word is what changes. I could give you my opinion all day, and some of them might be good. But you know what they say about opinions? They're like armpits. Everybody has them, and they all stink. Hmm. You know, I can give you my... I should delete that from the recording. Um, But people will tell you well-intentioned things. And I hear it all the time, too. I listen to other pastors, and I'm guilty of it, too. Saying something with conviction that, that maybe even be true, but not backing it up. It's always okay to go, time out, back it up. You know, my, my sister did this to me recently. We were texting, um, and, and the topic was cussing. Somebody had told her, or she had heard, you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about cussing. It's okay to cuss and whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'll take issue with that. And she wrote back, verse. You know, and, and that, was, that was the correct response. Prove it. 
brother? <laughs> Does the Bible say that? Because that's where we go. You know, I, I've had people come up and, and go, you know what, you don't dress nice enough for church. And I went, show me that. <laughs> Prove it. Prove it that I need to wear khakis and a tie. Prove it. Um, this is what we go to. We go to this. This is what we live on. This is, it's the information, but it's more than just the information. Um, now here's the thing. If you're like me, you know this. <laughs> and you knew this young. Uh, I, I wish I, I was going to bring out my Bible that I got when I was six. It's a red bound Bible, NIV, and it's all coming apart. Um, it was the Bible I would take to camp when I was seven years old. I lost it once, and I was so torn up that I lost my Bible. Um, and then the next year, I'm at summer camp, and there were pews in the chapel, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, my Bible! <laughs> it had been in the pew for a whole year, and I, I got to pull it out. But even at that young age, when I was eight, nine years old, I knew I should be in the Word. But inevitably, what would happen is I would come home from camp, and I would, I would read my Bible, and I'd read it every day for a while. And I loved it. And then I wouldn't as much. And then I would know I should, and I feel guilty about not doing it. And then I would do it just because I'm supposed to. And so I would read it, and I'm like, I read a whole chapter. And I'd walk away. And, and sometimes the Holy Spirit would prick me and go, Derek, what did you just read? I read it. Come on, whatever. Yeah, but what did you read? I don't know. Don't I get points just for opening it and looking at the page? No. No, you don't. <laughs> Whenever I talk to people struggling in life, and we all go through it, but, but when I, I talk to people and I'm struggling with this or this, and it's ongoing, I go, how's your time in the Word? Inevitably, it's like, well, good. Really, when's the last time? I don't remember. Or if the person's honest, how's your time in the Word? It's not good. It's not, it's not a priority. But if this is how God changes us, shouldn't this be a priority? And again, I don't want you to feel guilty, but I do want you to feel convicted. Because if you want your life to change, and you're not exposing yourself to this, you're kicking against the goads. You're not going to get there. Last week we talked about uh, you know, the way to get a tan. Okay, What tans our skin? The sun does. We can't tan our own skin. The sun does all the work to tan our skin. But our job to get a tan is to stand in the sun. So if I'm in this tent and the sun's out shining, I'm stressing over I don't have a tan. And one of you goes, well, why don't you go out there and get in the sun? I don't want to. I don't have time. <laughs> well, then don't, don't stress about not having a tan. You're not getting in the sun. Wow, I want to be like Jesus. I want healing in my marriage. I want to get over this addiction. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better child to my parents. I want to be more obedient. You know, you, you kids, you deal with that, don't you? You want to be more obedient, but yet you don't expose yourself to this. It's not going to change. It's not going to change. Let me tell you that. So, the application is to spend time in this, but, but, we got to take this one more step, okay? Not only do we spend time in it, it cannot be a legalism thing. Because it's not about how, it's about who. And that who is Jesus, and that who is a relationship. So let's look at what the Bible talks about God's words. Um, Jeremiah 15, 16. I think that's up here. There it is. Jeremiah says this, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. You can say that same thing. Jeremiah said, I'm called by your name. You can say that too, Christian. <laughs> if by faith you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, you're a Christian. You have his name. You're a son or daughter of the king. But he says, your words, your words were found and I ate them. 
and your words became to me a joy and a delight. Uh, Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus says this, But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Those are two verses that refer to the words of God being food. I ate them. Elsewhere, uh, David writes about this. He says, Your words are sweeter to me than honeycomb. What psalm is that? 119? Anybody know? Is that Psalm 119? I'm going to turn there. Psalm, psalm 119. Um, wow, that's a long psalm. <laughs> yeah, Psalm 119.11. That was where I was going to go next. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Not just I put your word in my mind, but I've stored up your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. Psalm 119, there's our homework this week. Because it's all through there. It's all about the Word. Uh, Psalm 119.9, How can a young man keep his way pure? Young man in here? (laughs) Old man in here? How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your Word. So how can you keep your way pure if you don't know the Word? Because that's what instructs us and empowers us. And goes on and on and on. And it's, in that, it's somewhere in that chapter where he talks about, I, I ate your words, and they were sweeter than honeycomb. So not only do we expose ourselves to the word, we see it as sustenance, as life-giving, and we ingest it. It becomes part of us. They say you are what you eat, right? You are what you eat. You know, there was a time when, when I was working out and I was eating protein, you know, and I was getting buff and strong, and then I got married. I didn't have to do that anymore. Um, <laughs> But the food I needed then was, was protein. So I would do the protein shakes and those things. And now I got a big thing of protein in the cabinet. It's been there for two years. <laughs> but just like I needed protein to, to build muscles to attract Callie to me, I needed that. Um, our protein, don't be distracted. <laughs> our protein to build spiritual muscle is the Word of God. You need to eat it and you need to ingest it. It becomes part of you, meaning this is what you go to. When life happens, what comes to your mind or where do you go? Do you go to Dr. Phil and Oprah? What do they say about this? Do you go to um, a a good self-help book? The Five Love Languages is a great one. I highly recommend it. I'm just kidding. Kara told me yesterday she doesn't like that book, but I do. Um, Those things are helpful supplements, absolutely. But for life change, we go to the Word and we make it part of us. Um, Let me give you an example. Just for me, over the last couple weeks, you know, life, life is busy. Um, and, and I'm okay with that. I'm not complaining. Life is busy. I, I was laying stone all week, and I'm sore, and it was great. Um, life's been busy. We've been at soccer. Um, it's over now, which is great. But doing this and meeting for discipleship. And, and life's just busy, busy. And that can get to your mind. If you're like me, it can stress you down. And, oh, I got all this going on. And so for some reason, I don't know where it came from, um, Joyce Gale, you gave me a verse that actually was impactful that I looked over and over and I kept that in there. Um, but the one that got me this last week was Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. And I read it, but then I said, that's it for me. And so I, mem- I started memorizing it. So here's the test. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. It says, uh, you keep him in perfect peace. He's talking to God. He says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. It's all like abide. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And then he changes and he talks to us. He says, Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord your God is an everlasting rock. 
Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. So this week, as I was laying stone and mixing mortar, I was just saying that over and over in my head. That's how I abide in Jesus. As I start to stress, I go to the Word and I memorize it, but then I don't just, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it and I let it, I let it change me. You know, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So I think about that. God, I want to be in perfect peace. How do I get that? My mind is stayed on you. And so I, there you go. I would just think about him. I would just stay on God. I would just dwell on him. You know, and, and often my mind goes back to the cross. Because all, all of this, anything, whatever, I'm saved. <laughs> I'm right with God. I'm a son or a daughter of the king. It's not about what I do. And I can just rest in that. And so the Word, that's just one example from my life this week of how the Word sticks. Um, I met with a friend this week and, and we were just talking about life. Um, you know, and we, we all have things that we stress over, don't we? And he was sharing some of those things he stresses over. And God was giving me verse after verse. Because I had Psalm 119.11 stored up His Word in my heart so that I wouldn't sin, His Word was in there so He could bring it to mind when I needed it. I'm like, well, turn to this one. You know, and some of them I was close, and we had to, uh, I was one, one chapter over. But we would go, and one thing after another, it's the Word that brings life. And this friend of mine, he asked me at one point, he said, how are you fed? You know, my job as a pastor is to build into others. And I've heard this question a lot over the last month. Who's building into you? You know, where, where do you get rejuvenated? And I do have people building into me, absolutely. And I, I shared that with them. I said, I have people that build into me, but they'll all fail. They'll fail me. I said, Callie, my wife, she'll fail me. I'll fail her. People will always fail. I said, but the one place I can always go is the Word. I can always go this. So this is absolutely what sustains me. And if it's somebody else helping sustain me, you know how they're doing it? They're using the Word to do it. They're using the Word to do it. Um, I want to give you this picture. You know, we're talking about life change. We're talking about the Word. I want to give you one picture that I really want you to leave with. And, and here, here's the picture. <laughs> it's a, a dinner plate, big plate, with the Word of God on the plate. You know, if you go a day without eating, you're hungry. You feel it. You get grumpy. You get hangry. <laughs> you know? Do we see the Word as we see food? We go to it three times a day. Five or six times a day. You know, we eat it. It becomes part of us. We live on it. Is this how you see it? I want you to just remember this picture because we're talking about life change. We want to be transformed, metamorphosed. We want to become like Jesus. It comes with the Word. It comes with knowing it, believing it, and James 1.22 says obeying it. Be, be, uh, be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Life change happens, this is the last point, when you obey the Word. Life change does not happen from knowing it. Life change happens when knowledge turns into application, which is wisdom. Wisdom is the word applied, knowledge applied. That's when life changes. When you know it, when you do it. Let me pray, and we're going to uh, worship some more, sing two more songs. Heavenly Father, um, thank you. Thank you for your word. God, there's so much peace. Um, in, in the role that we all have, we're all leaders at some point. We're all counselors at some point. But there's so much peace knowing that it's your word that is the counsel. It is your word that changes lives. God, I cannot change anybody else's life. I can't even change my own. But you can in me and through me. And all we have to do is abide in you. And I thank you for the one tool 
one of several, but one of the, the most important tools is your word. I thank you. I thank you so much. I pray for each of us in here. God, my heart goes out to every individual in here. I want to see them experience life abundantly. That's what you promised us. You promised us an abundant life, which isn't rich, <laughs> which isn't eating the, the, the richest foods, but it's an abundant life. And I ask that. I beg you for that, for everyone in here, that we would get that life. That we would get that life because we're dead to ourselves and we're living in you. Um, your name, amen. One thing before we sing, real quick. Um, we, we have these. These are on the back here. The Life of a Jesus Follower. This is a day-to-day, -day, you know, day-in and day-out devotional. If you don't have a devotional, grab one of these. Um, if you can't afford it, uh, five bucks is what we paid for them. So that, our cost is five bucks. If you can afford it, you know, put it in the offering or do it later. If you can't afford it, Take one, please. Um, this is one of those things when Callie and I are doing some trainings down in Vegas. We went to one. We're going to one next week. When we went down there, we had already met with our leadership team. We had already decided our mission statement. We had already decided that we need to focus on three relationships, up, in, and out. We've been talking about that a lot. We go down there. We sit down. He says, turn to page whatever in your book. We open it up, and we're like, up, in, and out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, but they call it abide, connect, share. Up, relationship, abide. John 15.5. Uh, in, relationship with each other, they call it connect. And then share our relationship with the world. So it was exactly what God had already led us to. And so I said, I want to get a copy of that. And so Hope Church down in Vegas, they wrote this. I didn't write this. They wrote this, and it is so good. I said, can I use it? Can we use it? They said, yes, because it lines right up with what we want to do. So I encourage you, grab one, and let's start going through this. If you don't know what to do in your devotion each day in the Word, do this. And do what it says, too. Don't just skip the, the, the Bible part. <laughs> do the Bible part. That's the most important part. But grab it and use it. They're awesome. Um, that's my, my last plug. Let's worship. They're right back there. Yep, they're right back there. Help yourself. Too bad you're not excited about this. <laughs> let's stand up.